that might be my proudest moment as a human. <laughs> like, it's getting getting Vince McMahon to say cool because like, like Ron, you okay. have a daughter. Yes, <laughs> you have a daughter. Yes, yes but but <laughs> I knew the finish of that one. I am Kev Kellum for Sports Key, and more importantly, John Ryman, former WWE writer. Uh, you can introduce me to the collective of people you've put together for this new podcast. This is launching on iHeartRadio. Uh, it's coming out the Wednesday before WrestleMania. It is called Turnbuckles. Now, a lot of wrestling podcasts, but this one has a sweet, sweet appeal to it. And what is that, John Ryman, well, that is, writer for WWE? Well, that is that it's myself. Uh, it's three of my best friends. Uh, it's a fellow former WWE writer, uh, Julie Harrison Harney. And then we have a former, uh, well, gosh, I would say WWE kind of dynasty member, uh, Tim Silfies, son of the great Kerwin Silfies. Uh, so we all have ties and have spent time in uh, Stanford and with the WWE family. And then there is, uh, perhaps the most knowledgeable of all of us, <laughs> um, kind of the Carl Pilkington of our group, if you will. Boy, that, that if I if a Carl Pilkington reference doesn't tell you why uh, I'm not still in Stanford, I, boy, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, the the idiot savant, the Forrest Gump of WWE, Tom Tommy Rico, my good friend, uh, and we're all gonna just uh, we're just gonna talk some wrestling, man. That's what it's all about. Sports entertainment. Sports, Sports entertainment. entertainment. I just Sports got it right, John. I got zapped yeah. in the neck. It's a thing. It's a five-year thing. It's the, 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 the chip still yeah. works. The you got to wear the collar for five years after you leave. So an NDA and then the collar. Vince puts the collar on you, which is pretty cool. By the uh, way, Kev, we, spe- we feel really spoiled by the graphic. The, yeah. the, the, the graphic is of, uh, yes, the graphic is of AT&T Stadium several years ago. With all you, got, you get your own Titantron. Yeah. Here. You get, we, get, we get our own Titantron. So you guys all worked in the WWE system, which has evolved and changed since it was in the 80s and become very much a big time right. presentation of wrestling uh, akin to a major television production now. Um, when you guys came in, were you all wrestling fans? I, I, John, I know you are, but uh, were, were you other guys in it? And t- Tim, I know it's a little bit different for you with your, your father, but like, what was your knowledge of wrestling coming into it? And obviously, Tommy, you're a huge wrestling fan, so you guys get you get to pick their brain a little bit. You get to ask some annoying questions that I would want to constantly ask when we're having a beer or something. Right? And I have, and I do. I'm <laughs> asking them questions. I had a couple of like almost situations where like. I almost had an in on Tough Enough when that was with MTV, and I almost like t- took the dive in uh, as a writer when they were paying like fifteen thousand dollars a year in the late nineties. Like I was, I was always on the periphery, and I wanted to be a wrestler at a certain point, which sounds ridiculous uh, as it looks. But I was, uh, I was. You would never cut it with Johnny Knoxville, no, <laughs> or Johnny Ace for that matter. Hey, come on, don't talk, don't talk that way about the guy who came, who'd come in and pick up my stuff and throw it on the ground put <laughs> my seat in the meeting Ooh. all right okay all right well the curtain has been pulled back so John, he had a favorite chair it's not it's not your fault a no he chair. did this cool thing i will say it was awesome though because he would shake your hand while he was moving your stuff okay so it's really smooth move where he'd make you feel important and then you'd realize you weren't sitting there anymore oh so i like hats off to him it's like a mugger if they're like polite where you're like <laughs> all right yeah, and then I would just look over at Pritchard, who would just be shaking his head, not making eye contact. I'm like, oh, I wasn't quite sure whose side he was on. But, 
but now, John, you came from the Tonight Show. You were yeah. on, on one a huge TV property, jumping into WWE for a while. What was that like? Was it like? A, did it feel like a parallel move, or is it a completely different universe? I would say it was. It was different in that um, it's just, you know, I would say that it was. Anytime you go from like a a volume writing job into a writer's room, it's very different, mm-hmm. and it's just that's the biggest adjustment. And mm-hmm. it's just um, like I'm just someone who's so used to, uh, you know like just constantly writing and constantly working and like to give you an idea like i got through two episodes of the get back beatles thing and i just had to stop because i was just angry at them i was like why won't you do some goddamn work uh you silly beatles um so i just couldn't get through it um you know me i'm a beach boys fan i'm a brian wilson guy i'm oh my god we gotta keep going sort of guy and so that was my big adjustment it's just that like it's just it was a real it's there's a, a very uh, niche way of pitching there. I mm-hmm. think the big thing for me was I was probably a better fit for SmackDown. Um, if you look at that, you know, the people heading up that show at the time were uh, Bruce Pritchard and Ed Kosky. And, but Heyman in the moment really wanted me until he didn't. <laughs> and he and I have stayed friends. We stay in contact, but creatively, I just was not. Different for, vision. Different, yeah. Different like I was, I, it made more sense. Like it's just whenever we were just all together joking around, it was like, Ed and I would always have a good time, and I was told not a lot of people could make Ed laugh. So it was like one of those things where it was like ships in the night. But the big adjustment for me was just like, um, it's so weird because it's what it's what they say about Vince is true. No one in the building is working harder than him, and it's just so odd. I'd never been anywhere before in my life where the person at the very top, you could not work them. Usually, it's you're trying to you know they have their other stuff going on you're trying to impress them and you kind of pick up something's like no it's like you know the car is always there he's always doing work so that was like big but it was awesome that's what made it great for me was to see that what you hear is is true he's always working and it's kind of inspirational in a way you know julie i have to do the obvious thing julie i know because because you're the female voice in the room right oh hello that's that's what i that's what i'm asking sometimes i let john john be the female voice in the room but you know i'll just refer to her as female voice in the room um so it's a different environment right this is a real it's a very male-oriented superhero testosterone driven product but obviously i think wwe has made honest attempts to bring in more female fans with more stronger female characters and now they were doing that with the creative process when you were there did you have that sense of it when you came in it's like no we want to hear your take that we we obviously can't create it on our own we're just a bunch of dudes what was it like when you came in there what was the process like for you yeah i ultimately the thing that i took away was the other female writers were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think I felt an immediate community and an immediate connection to the other female writers that were in the room. And that was really cool. Um, working with Dana Warrior was amazing. She really took me under her wing. She taught me a lot about how the process worked. I loved learning um, uh, about her writing style and, and her creation of characters. I mean, she just has the most wonderful vision um betsy was was there when i was there and we had a writer's assistant christine who was also amazing and i think what i was really lucky to have was that this group of female writers really stuck together and really supported one another and did a lot of projects together and so the normally competitive environment that i think a lot of other people may have felt when they came into wwe i did not get that at all i Mm -hmm. felt a real kinship and a camaraderie with the other 
women at WWE. They were amazing. I, I got I got really lucky. I think I got really, really lucky. And it's good. And it's a world where it's kind of like a, it's a highly, it's like high school that never ends. You just keep going to the next thing and we're fighting to the next big prom at the next mania, or, you know, the next the next big end of the year. Tim, for you, your father's in the business. So you're around it the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't remember a time not being in it. Honestly, I don't really remember too much before he worked there. Vince Vince hired him right around WrestleMania 1. Uh, so it was like a, the long haul. So I just kind of grew up in the middle of all that madness back back in the day. You know, my dad was a TV director who, who got, he, he ran into Vince kind of by happenstance. And then two years later, they were doing uh, WrestleMania 3 in the Silverdome with, you know, 90, 93,000 people. So it's... It's been it's been a, a weird kind of circus to, to grow up in, but like I said, it, it was a part of my life from the from the very get go. Is there ever been a time when you started telling someone who was like out of the that bubble and you're just like, Yeah, so I'm hanging out with so and so and this happens and I was at a birth and people are like, Wait, what? Like is like is all this always been natural to you? Like there's never been the oh wow. I'm like, yeah, I was around it since kind of both. Yeah, like yeah, it's been natural, but then like you realize it's not natural. And and this was you know, I in the K years in the beginning, you know, it was like uh, you know, I had to sort of People would always ask me, is wrestling fake? And they would ask about, like, I mean, this, because this was in the 80s. Son, when you go to school, remember, protect the business. Always. Well, my dad, like, to this day, is kind of an old school kayfabe kind of guy. Okay. I like that, dude. (laughs) It really, it it, it was and is like that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Your dad's rocking some Jim Cornette podcast in the back saying, that's how we should have done it there don't get an email from tim's dad saying undertaker hall of fame how possible he's dead <laughs> yeah i was actually in the graveyard at one in one of the original like promos that they shot my dad my brought me to the shoot at like midnight in some oh. graveyard when i was like eight or nine i think you're an eight-year-old kid just walking around the undertaker is doing the undertaker in the rain stick. Doing promos, yeah, in, in a in a graveyard. I don't oh, know yeah. where the graveyard was, but cool. I was that's like, that's like the highlight of Bruce Pritchard's career. He talks about that all the time. Oh well, yeah, I think I think if it's the same one, yeah, I was. I was oh there. my gosh, that's so amazing. So, what were you, the designated driver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim at the hearse at age I eleven. I just kind of like wandered around. My dad was working; was just like just stay out of trouble. I love uh, the idea of Bruce cutting the segment. Go cut. Kerwin, get your son out of the coffin. Come on. <laughs> Unless here. he's going to be a zombie, we don't want him in the shot. Well, that would, that's what it would be. He'd be like, what if? <laughs> what if we had, like, a Casper character? We don't call him Casper. I'm Casper, a widow ghost. Like, with a K, so I'm a widow ghost. I follow my big buddy, the Undertaker. Good um, shit. I think we're on to something. <laughs> there we go. We're selling I'll the next WWE kids show. Yeah. Um, so let's get into this. You guys are going to talk about writing for WWE and, and um, all these different things. We'll ask you about this year's WrestleMania, which is, is kind of crazy that we get to talk to people about it. It's stupendous. Um, Have you heard it, that? It is two nights. It is the most stupendous. No, but it's stupendous. Yeah, the most stupendous. Talk yeah. to me about that language. Language <laughs> and, and, no and, <laughs> and adjectives are seem like such a big thing with WWE. It is a show where it's odds. So they really drill in a certain phrase to you like, John Cena and the Rock, it was once in a lifetime, and, you, and every fan knew that. Was that something that was given to you guys? Were there yeah. points that you guys had to hit in terms of writing around those certain types of things? Yes. Absolutely. For uh, the, what was it? It was uh, the 
the show, um, the crown jewel. <laughs> the tag we had was a, a it was something like um, as important, if not more important than WrestleMania. Like that was the actual thing. And it was like you had to write that in all the like any 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 language you had. And then um, I'm guessing stupendous, Julie, you could probably back me up. I'm guessing there was just an hour, like a 90 minute meeting and they were just saying words probably. Right? Oh yeah. I think what I remember are some of the exercises we did was there would be an upcoming event or a, a new wrestler was premiering or various things. And you would just sit and write as many, many phrases, taglines, catchphrases as, as possible. You'd hand them over to the head writer and they would just compile a huge document uh, we'd go to the creative meetings, we'd sit it in front of Vince, and he would sit there with his pencil and just read through each one and X the ones he didn't like and check the ones he did. That's what I did. John, is that a, that's what was that what it was like when you were there? <laughs> I don't know if we had it. <laughs> I don't know if it was quite as organized. Um, I was there. Julie came in as I was leaving. So it was like I was there like summer to end 19. Like that was kind of mainly when I was there. And so you guys kind of people can go look up that was when bischoff was there and then he wasn't and bruce was he was going to be zooming in and then next thing you know he's buying a house uh no i don't know that we were quite as organized yet but there was a lot of um sort of someone taking notes and then um people just kind of talking and vince kind of looking at the ceiling and then repeating back the like there was we didn't have the there wasn't as much organization it sounds like julie's talking about but I do remember a story about someone found there's like uh, the bios of all the wrestlers and the superstars. I'm sorry. Collar went off again. And um, they um, <laughs> and so they had all the superstars and someone brought up like their bios. And uh, this was relayed to me. This happened the week before I was in the office. And Vince said, well, what are we doing with those, by the way? Mm. And they said, uh, well, what do you mean? He's like, when's the last time we updated them? And so then someone brought up the website and he just started going through. And the first one they had, of course, was Brock Lesnar. Mm -hmm. And Vince went, oh, this is terrible. We need all new. This We got to take all this down. So in real time, they took, they deleted his bio from the website. And then they spent, I heard... Uh, two hours in, as a group rewriting Brock Lesnar's bio uh, and it was literally Vince saying like magnificent <laughs> monstrous saying <laughs> like, out words and uh, they were there for two hours and then he went what do we have so far <laughs> he's like god damn wasn't anyone putting them in the order and we were like no and he's like ah oh. so it's another half hour and then they got to the end and he goes next and they were like randy orton's like we'll do that tomorrow <laughs> that was the end of the meeting and thankfully he had like other he had like xfl stuff to do events but like sort of like we would go through that so there was a lot of some of in some of those late night meetings because like this is a night owl like you've probably mm -hmm. heard and i can identify like i'm this i am the same way and it just feels like the world stops so you just take your time and you're just like i'm gonna think of everything there is and so I, my guess is they probably... Who do we think came up with Stupendous? I'm going to say Heyman. Well, <laughs> who do we all think... Like, like, who came up with Stupendous? I think it's Vince. I mean, in the really? McAfee interview, Vince, they asked him about Stupendous. 
And it really just came down to him liking the word. And it was just that simple. But yeah. like, I, I think you figured out John does a very good yet respectful impression of Vince McMahon. Well, yeah. It is, it is not, it is an honorable, it is an honorable version of his, yeah. his gruffled uh, take on, on the world. Yes, I do. The best way to describe the impression though, John's impression of Vince McMahon is that Vince thinks ideas are delicious. Like that's, yeah. he really <laughs> he does. does. He, ta he, he, he takes them in, he savors them and then says them out loud. So that's, that's your cue, John. You can go ahead and stupendous that. <laughs> stupendous. <laughs> Superstars, and he would bang his pencil. Are stupendous. <laughs> they can go home. So let's let's get into you this. Go home. I'm going. Your, to uh, your time in WWE, and Tim, I want you, you're involved in this. What is the proudest thing that you were involved in getting to television that fans got to see? What is the thing that you saw get on television? You're like, I helped make that. Here's my contribution to it. Here's what somebody else contributed. Here's where the talent really brought it home show that process that we're that you guys were the most proud because it's a very hard process to get through to get something on tv right yeah i mean all, all of these guys go first but it's very it's very difficult to any show people have to realize that mm -hmm. so like um oh God, i'm gonna say it internet wrestling community sorry um i was trying to give it up for lent uh, that phrase. Uh, my collar went off. Your collar. My sports went off. Key, my sports yeah, key collar. Yeah. Went off. Uh, no, but everyone that says like, like, what's, what's going on? It's all private. It's like, guys, it's any TV show. Yeah. I mean, like I said, go watch the Beatles thing. It's <laughs> a writer's <laughs> room is painful when you have to try to honor everyone's ideas sometimes, especially when everyone's kind of not on the same page or trying to figure things out on the fly. Julie, what's your what's the coolest thing? I, I already know what your most infamous thing is. We're saving. I do. Yeah. Go. Tell me the I, good one though. The good one, anytime I got to write with Kyrie Sane and Asuka, uh, when they were the Kabuki Warriors. I, I just have the fondest memories of sitting with them in the hallway, backstage, working on uh how they would deliver the promo and and what the best way to do something is what one of my favorite moments is we're backstage um and uh we're working with oscar and Kyrie, and um uh there was a word uh in english that we were trying to translate because obviously oscar sometimes speaks japanese when we're in the ring and and we didn't know that word so we had to pull out google translate to attempt to tell Asuka the word that we were trying to tell and Google Translate wasn't getting it right. So it was just this really wonderful, fun moment of um, her about to go on stage and us just getting a new rewrite and and trying to tell her what word she needed to say in, in Japanese uh, as she was about to go cut her promo in the ring. Um, the, 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 I, have, I have incredibly fond memories of working with with both of them and really enjoyed any time I got to write for the Kabuki, Kabuki Warriors. It was my favorite. Um, I do have I didn't write this this piece, um, but I was a part of it. This was this was not written by me. Um, there was a backstage piece where Kyrie Sane was was leaving, and she plays the recorder. Yeah, and um, it was it was probably one of my favorite moments because we just wanted to have like a fun silly thing and we asked Kyrie like do you play like an instrument do you have something that you could be doing backstage I think she gets is it Nia Jax that 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 comes out so, so I think it's Nia she comes out and and uh, uh backstage and she attacks her um and um we asked Kyrie we're like do you play an instrument is there anything you you can be doing or practicing and Kyrie was like I play the recorder 
and we were like, <laughs> I mean, that's the bit. That's all that it is. You that's couldn't write. Bit. You couldn't write a better version of it. That's it's, the it's, bit. It's, I just just hear Vince was... like, because she was leaving, and you're like, God damn, this whole time she played the recorder. <laughs> what a waste of it. It was, and then she lost. She actually lost the recorder. We couldn't find it, and so we we were all scrambling. It's a team. We can be selling recorders coast to coast. That's how you're saying the It was. It's a merch opportunity. But it was just. It was one of those things where I was sent off. They were like, Julie, we're we're gonna record. You need to find the recorder. Where's the recorder? And so I'm like rushing around trying to find because it wasn't a prop. If it's a prop, it goes through our prop team, obviously, and they hold it. But this was her recorder so it was like she had it she held it so it was me going on a hunt to find this recorder because she's been practicing all day for it so um in my mind that was i didn't write it i i wish i could say i wrote the recorder because i didn't write it but i was on set helping with it when it was being produced and i feel very proud to have been a part of it tim obviously maybe yours you you told us as a child you got to hang out with an undertaker in a graveyard which is yeah was great um you know, what do you just... dream of then when that's your actual <laughs> as a kid but again i don't like i didn't really understand that like, it was strange like i was just even, i dreamt that i was watching tv and doing regular normal kid things <laughs> so <laughs> weird. yeah exactly i don't know like i don't have a, a lot of my first person stuff would you know not be as involved as as theirs is i mean i know my dad again i can speak through him kind of that he I mean, he talks fondly about lots of things through the years. The most fondly probably though is back to the days, like the old school days with on the road with Gorilla and Bobby, just doing, cause it was, it was way less corporate back then and way less like what, what, um, what these guys kind of experienced. It was more sort of just like by the bootstraps, just go do it. You know, there weren't, I don't think there were as many writers, if any, there weren't really, you know, it was just sort of like just doing stuff. So my dad always talks fondly about going and doing um, promos with Gorilla and Bobby and, and hanging out with Andre and doing stuff. I mean, a story he told me the other day that actually I was dying was he was doing a, a promo with Bobby and Gorilla at a casino. <laughs> And gorilla, 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 very fond of, uh, very fond of gambling. Right. So gorilla's gambling. gambling in this, in this, in this sort of, um, in this uh, bit that they're doing. And they said like, if he's going to be on the floor, he has to gamble. So my dad was like, okay. And gorilla was like, sure, I'll do that. So gorilla's playing cards, gambling, and he's the whole time. Gorilla's like on point, in character, focused on like it seems like he's just like not even paying attention to the cards. Um, so they finish and Gorilla throws a hundred dollar chip at the, um, at the dealer. And my dad's like, did you just tip that guy a hundred dollars? And Gorilla's like, yeah. And my dad's like, why'd you do that? Gorilla's like, cause while we were shooting that, I won $10,000. And yeah, and Gorilla cashes out and has like a pile. And that's, you know, that's what it was like back then, back in the day. I guess it's one of those times a casino manager should have come over and said, Will you stop? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he likes to gamble. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my dad, like, bet. He, he got sucked into some of the betting circles with Gorilla. And oh, he boy. once bet, like, $500 on the Bud Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like, in retro, at the time, I was like, okay. And in retrospect, it's like, you know, I, 
like my college was coming. Like, what are you doing? Bud <laughs> Light. Like, you realize this is not this is not a shoot. This is this. Is you met in college. Were you there because of some puppy bowls that went your way? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, John, I know you had some unique experiences in the very intense uh, creative process that was yeah. creating Bray Wyatt and bringing the Firefly Funhouse to television. I got there right after that and right when they were, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know if we can ever say that they quite figured out what to do with it because obviously here's the thing with Firefly Funhouse. Pandemic hurt that. There were a lot yeah. of cool things, you know, coming up with that. And a lot of that is crowd reaction. Mm -hmm. um, but um yeah very briefly and that was probably i i was i think we we had bray for about two months uh with our with the raw side and so yeah i got to pitch a lot on bray and the key with that was you got to do you had to do it in the production meeting mm. you had to get your ideas out there so so vince himself would hear the ideas because everyone wanted to pitch on the fiend and if you gave it to anyone else you never knew if it would, it's it, it always struck me as someone who's been in a writer's room is like oh that that there's a lot of writers working on that there's so right. many different little things that and we're that's that. and everyone wanted to do that and so there was a day when um we knew there was going to be you know we were closing every episode with the fiend striking and we were coming up with creative different ways to do it and someone was get was getting taken down at the end of a raw and it was going to be a new victim and so i just was thinking about it and i was thinking about how every time bray struck somebody and took them out of action he'd hang the picture behind him on the wall as kind of a memorial and that reminded me of the haunted mansion at disney world but when you go in and you see the portraits on the wall and so i'm thinking and i was like the i'm just like remembering that and i go i know we're going and so it was one of those days where vince is like you know anyone, anyone else have any thoughts he was in a he being Vince, sorry pronouns, but he was in a good mood. Pronouns, bro. And we breeze through, and then all of a sudden he goes, "Were well, you ready to go?" And everyone went, "Yeah." And that's the wrong move. Like Vince, you never want to say like everything's perfect. Because anyway, no one has any ideas. God damn, you think <laughs> you've written the perfect, perfect bra? And then he became, started becoming Mr. McMahon. Mm -hmm. And so I said, uh, "Sir, um, what if that's how you want to pitch your ideas? What if uh, to signal that the fiend was going to strike?" we had an extra picture frame that's empty and we come in on the fiend and he's he being the fiend is hammering it onto the wall and there's no one in the frame yet and that's how we um kind of hint that somebody is going to be there's going to be a new victim at the end and uh i was a home team so we were meeting video conference and vince is like right up against like i am now like it's going each kind of goes oh that's and he looks right at me and he goes that's cool <laughs> and said it and then like the way he said it was like just the vince you remember from like high you know, like his eyes got all big like the gif you see after he goes that's cool and he takes the pencil you can see bruce running across like right away he's like yep that's in and everyone's going oh wow and then he goes and he goes hey pal he goes what's the line coming out of it and i just thought back to disney world and i went there's always room for one more Ooh. and because i thought of how they said that it's one of the man vince goes there's always room for one more <laughs> right there that was not only my that might be my proudest moment as a human <laughs> like, it's getting getting vince mcmahon to say cool because like, like Ron, you okay. have a daughter yes <laughs> you have a daughter yes, yes but, but i knew the finish of that one 
and and also like and you know there's like i was in the ring so to speak in that case i didn't have time to bask in that glory but since i had the chance to back and watch Vince McMahon. and my daughter she was born she came two weeks early she was not happy she did not she did not sign off on that idea so that was like i walked out of the room the doctors were like hey like next time and i was like i know that was a rough meeting but with Vince, i killed it that day so um that was my proudest um just how can you beat that like i mean i've gotten the you know i was obviously at fallon for a long time seth myers and jay leno and even paul mccartney wrote for him a couple of workshops but vince mcmahon is like that's your child you know like anyone that grew up in new england like something about our dads reminded us of vince like there's yeah. some kind of thing and it was that approval and it was like just getting it's like man i just nailed it you know and it was on i don't think i had like much in that episode i think like i had like a super short baron corbin promo or something and like not everything else got cut and uh just nailing that getting that just out of my mouth and just into the universe and vince liking it you know it was on a, on a tough day when you're just not doing great you're not scoring and all of a sudden vince loves your stuff and and call you know shouts you out he goes like, you know gives you a wake and everything it's like man that's just the best and that's cool because it's like um not everyone i mean that's the thing that other people have to realize is the tv you don't always get that recognition you don't always get that credit but vince i always found to be when he liked it and even if it, even if they didn't do it he'd say good thinking you know or he'd mm. say or he'd explain why they wouldn't do it but yeah that was the coolest that was my favorite he, he is one of the most intriguing creative people that has ever made anything because he never the way wwe works it never stops so like it just always it's this thing that always has to be fed like in in and in, in it's odd that his his uh his appetite his appetite for feeding it has never evaporated like it's never it's never let up or anything well people forget he he being vince 40 years old first wrestlemania uh he's talked about it. he went bankrupt a bunch of times and um i mean he spent like 40 years of his life you know fighting and just trying to stay afloat uh, he was older than I am now, and um, I just think there must be a point. It's like because the other person that comes to mind like that is Larry David, because mm-hmm. he was same age when Seinfeld hit, and they say the same thing about Larry David that he's always got the notepad. And I've sometimes seen... people say WWE Raw is the wrestling show about nothing. It's the same. <laughs> hey, come on! <laughs> well, there goes our guests, everybody. You should have uh, played. No. You should have played the theme song right there, and then we just like go out on the. <laughs> I'm te- I'm te- I'm saying the internet wrestling community collar going off. Um, those people like, are yeah. drawn, to, drawn, drawn to is Vince, Jay Leno, Brian Wilson, Larry David, like those kind of people that are just always like, I gotta have more, I gotta write more, I gotta keep doing it, and it's like, it's just awesome, and it's just it's like, God bless. So just, just I mean, you think of how many of us over the last couple of years has just been like, God, who am I? What am I doing right now? And just when you find your your thing and you're the best at it, it's awesome. Like I just the, I think those guys are the coolest. Tommy, I want to get you in this year. I've obviously gone sure. ten minutes over what I what I scheduled, and I appreciate your patience with everything. No I enjoy the campfire vibes of this as There's well. A lot too. to it. Um, I want to get your take. WrestleMania. You guys are launching your podcast, Turnbuckles Podcast, available on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. A revealing look on the inside creative process of WWE, which is a wild world to begin with. Um, your pitches for WrestleMania. What are the pitches? Give me your soft, quick pitches. Uh, 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 Tim, I want you in here as well. I want your quick pitches for this year's WrestleMania. I know it's this it's this weekend, but there's two nights. 
We can cram something in. We can get something in. Is that it? It's a perfect WrestleMania. What about you, pal? What do you got? All right. So, Julie, I'll start with you. What, what's your pitch for this year's WrestleMania? Oh, I just need I just need more Oscar all the time. I think I'm just gonna double down on my story. It's just Oscar <laughs> times a thousand. Just can one night be Oscar? Like, gosh, I love her. I love her. I love everything about her. So, I wanna I want a Kabuki Warriors night. Uh, I want Kyrie saying to come back and 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 just a kabuki warriors night i love them i think they're great tim your take i'm the worst person to ask i mean all i would want is austin in texas you're getting him (laughs) (laughs) you're getting him uh what 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 do you think of the build of that it's been a wild one we're not getting a match we're getting we're getting a segment no i know segment that's all i want so i i love steve i'm old school so that's what i want all right, they're not bad about that. Uh, Rico, what do you got, buddy? So I'm generally positive on the car the way it is. I know that's not popular on the internet, but uh, I actually like the car the way it is. Uh, the one thing I would add, and I'm going to I'm going to break a little bit of news here. Um, so John was talking about uh, Bray Wyatt. So Bray Wyatt is out here. I live in Los Angeles. I'm a Boston guy, but I live out here now. And uh, he showed up at the Improv to just watch a comedy show. And I got a call from a buddy of mine. He's like, hey, look who I met. And he sends a picture of him with Bray Wyatt, who literally looks like he's made of tree trunks. Um, <laughs> and he, he looked like he was having a good time. He said Bray was a really great guy. And he's definitely and then he disappeared. He disappeared into a fog. Yeah, well, I would love to see him, him uh, reemerge from the fog at the end of night two. Just bring him back. I mean, he's it, it, they clearly lost merchandise sales. He went out and did his thing. I think that's done filming, so hopefully he can come back. I'd love to see that at the end of WrestleMania night two. Just have He's a mythical character. John, you're give me give me your give me your wild pitch for WrestleMania thirty eight. I'm just gonna piggyback off Tom. I think uh the end of the main event of uh, night two, lights down, lights up, fiends in the ring, strikes everybody. Oh my gosh. And then uh pulls off the mask and you bring back uh Jim Ross just to say, Oh my god, it's John Laurinaitis. <laughs> And then uh, Johnny of, Ace, we never. Of, and then instead of folding chairs, everyone gets to go home with a free Johnny Ace NFT. <laughs> I'm nervous for this podcast. I'm going to be honest. With you. I'm nervous for this podcast. What the Titanic I, works signed up for, or anything that involves Paul running. That, I'll go for either one of those. Well, Julie, remember it's on you now to get Oscar as a guest. So oh, you know. I know, right? <laughs> It's gonna She's that'll be in Google Translate the whole time. It'll just be Google Translate. That's all it'll be. That's fine. Um, uh, did you guys launch uh, socials uh, for the Turnbuckles podcast yet? If people want to check it out, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to miss any pitches that we're not supposed to pitch here. We're on Instagram, I think. Okay. And um, yeah, so you can find us there. And um, there's gonna you're, be. You're literally getting us before the drop. Yeah, I know. I, I just want to get you guys going. And obviously, yeah. if anyone is a fan of what you hear me do on Sports Key, check these guys out. They're they're wonderful, creative people. They're wrestling people. They're they enjoy it before they ever got to work with it. Uh, Tim was raised in it. I'm very jealous of him getting to hang out with the Undertaker as a child. That's that's unfair. Uh, but definitely check out Turnbuckles podcast through iHeartRadio on all major podcasting platforms. Launching this Wednesday before. WrestleMania. If you need even more inside scoopery, uh, here here's a deep scoop. Here's a real, real deep scoop. And this is just a fun, different take. I know there's a lot of options here, but this is a very, very different one. I, Thank I you guys so much. Is just real quick. I, I mm-hmm. think it's just, we we just have fun with it. Yeah, you know, it's like we let everyone else go nuts and get angry on Tuesday, and then you can on Wednesday we get our you get our lukewarm take, which I think is the best kind of take. <laughs> <laughs> 
It is. Tell it, John. Thanks. You won't burn your mouth. We're fandom like, detoxed. Yeah. It's like you'll <laughs> just get like, we you know, we've had some time to think it over. And uh, yeah, maybe the golden egg thing didn't go great. But here's what we think was they were trying to do. Here's the symbolism behind the golden egg. Um, we'll go there. Well, the symbolism be. behind the golden egg. Let's read into it, right? Mm. Red Notice, Red Notice streaming now. Red Notice streaming now. Oh, yeah. Slam, the most symbolic event. Oh. <laughs> Everyone go home. I'm going to the gym. <laughs> if nothing else, you can enjoy a very honorable, not disrespectful impression of Vince McMahon. Uh, Turnbuckles podcast. Wednesdays. Uh, launching the Wednesday before WrestleMania. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to hearing it, too. Thanks, Thank Kev. You. Thank Thanks, you so guys. Much. Bye.